coming to you from the City of Angels. You're tuned in to Rob Save Sports, your daily dose for all things LA sports. Join us and let's save sports one podcast at a time. Now, your host, Robert Yamagata. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rob Save Sports Podcast. And I know we've been gone for a little while, but there has been so much that's been going on in the sporting news and wrestling, and we are going to get to all of it today. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is we're just going to recap uh, a little bit of the draft, the NBA draft that happened uh, last week. We had the top three had the Orlando Magic picking Paolo Banquero, which I think shocked a lot of people because I really believe that Jabari Smith from Auburn was going to be the number one pick. And then also the second pick, the Thunder drafted Chet Holmgren, which probably seemed like the most possible option for them. Whoever the uh, Magic picked first, but Jabari Smith being the third pick going to the Rockets, was I think was pretty much a shock because I really think that Jabari Smith should have been the number one pick. I think he has the most potential out of the three, but the Rockets I think got a really really good player at the third spot, and I think Paolo is a good player. I think he can contribute uh, right away from the beginning, but as potential and overall potential goes, I think Jabari Smith has all the tools, the athleticism. The shooting touch, the defensive impact, the versatility that he has, I believe that he would be the number of picks. That was kind of surprising to me. And from the draft, there weren't too many surprises. I think a couple of them down the line was a couple guys sliding into the second round. You know, you had Jaden Hardy, who was on the G League Ignite team, their first uh, season, inaugural season. Uh, the alternate alternate program instead of going to college, you know, the G League created the G League Ignite team for guys coming out of high school to practice and like get that professional experience before they go to the draft. And I think a lot of people were surprised by him sliding down to the second round. But honestly, from what I saw during his time in the G League and just the amount of production that he had. You know, he really didn't have, he really had bad, ineffective, inefficiency games a lot of the times. And it felt like he was really trying to do way too much and trying to take over games, which, you know, clearly he was not able to do effectively, even at the G League level. So I can see why that he slid down so far. I didn't think he would be uh, a lottery pick, but I would, I was going to he was probably going to be like a late first round but he slid down all the way to the 37th pick for the Kings. so you know we're going to see how that goes and I think him getting at the second round hopefully that gives him even more motivation to get better and better and hopefully the Kings don't screw it up and so yeah the Clippers they only had one pick it was a second round pick the 43rd pick There were a couple options that I suggested that they could select, but they went with uh, Moisa Diabate, a center from Michigan. He's a French player, uh, freshman coming out of Michigan. You know, 6'11", 
215, a little skinny. You know, he has pretty good bounce, good athleticism, good length, pretty solid. Uh, he's got some a little bit of a, an offense that you don't really see a lot from young bigs. He has good touch around the rim. You know, he's still pretty slight. And so, you know, he's just going to have to get stronger and stronger with that. But he can handle the ball decently for a guy that size. And it feels like another uh, project big that the Clippers, I feel like they kind of needed. I noticed during the G League uh, last season, you know, they really didn't have any young bigs that they were developing. There were a lot of guys that they were coming out uh, undrafted or sticking around in the G League. So I think having a project big that you can have stashed in the G League for a season or two, I think that would that's going to help. Uh, his development and he could possibly be a solid piece for them in the future but this is clearly a future pick that I don't see him getting much minutes at all this season especially if everyone's healthy and ending the drafts we gonna talk a little bit about free agency because free agency starts on Thursday there are not a ton of free agents big name free agents you know a lot of them have already opt into their player option contracts. Uh, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and James Harden. You know, all of them had a player option. All of them opting into their contracts. You know, it's a lot of money. I can completely understand the player not not giving up, not opting out of a large last year of their contract because I think they know that whatever new contract they're going to have, it's not going to be nearly as much as the last year that they have. So players, get your money as much as you can. This NBA career is not forever. I can't I can't blame guys for trying to get the most amount of money in their career. But with some of the free agents, uh, we're going to talk about the Clippers offseason going far. And it looks like we are in the process of signing uh, John Wall, the number one, former number one overall pick with the Washington Wizards. You know, he's last played for the Rockets. He just recently uh, got bought off his contract with the Rockets, and he is now officially a free agent. And he has, it has not been official yet, but it is rumored or projected that he will sign with the Clippers uh, once free agency starts. And I think for me, because there's been rumors upon rumors, I would say the past year and a half about John Wall possibly coming to the Clippers. And my only caveat with that is if he gets bought out, I would consider him coming onto the team because With the amount he was making, he was making about $47 million uh, in his final year of his contract, there was no way that I would want the Clippers to consolidate their roster to get a guy who has not, he did not play this whole season prior, and the season before that, he only played 40 games. And he played with the Rockets, who, you know, were very bad. It's a it's an interesting thing. A lot of, a lot of times people were clamoring for more of a backup point guard for the Clippers. 
but obviously with last season, you know, Kawhi Leonard not playing the whole year, uh, Paul George missing a ton of time uh, last season, you know, a lot of the point guard and ball handling duties was on Reggie Jackson, and he clearly, clearly ran out of gas uh, towards the end of the season. And so I wasn't too worried about looking for another point guard uh, once everyone's healthy, but I can clearly understand the need for, you know, as much good ball handling, good attacking at the rim, solid playmaking, and possibly better defense. And I think that's what John Wall has, can bring to the team. You know, I'm, I'm going to be hesitant about it because in no way am I looking for him to be the five-time all-star that he was. If you can get glimpses of that, and possibly, you know, for him to really buy into the system, the culture that the Clippers have created the past handful of years, I think, you know, I really think that he can buy in, you know, regardless of the player that he once was. Because if you look at his stats, he's never played under 30 minutes a game in his entire career. Uh, I am assuming that that's probably what he's going to do for the Clippers. I could see him doing 20 to 25 minutes a game to really balance out the minutes with Reggie, Kawhi, and PG with John Wall. And obviously, I don't think he's going to play 82 games. So the depth for the Clippers to get through an entire season is going to be extremely important. And I think having the amount of depth that they have to get through that season relatively healthy and get competitive all the way to the playoffs is a big plus for them. John Wall is not a decent three-point shooter. He shot 31% uh, in 2020, 2021 season. He's a little bit better on a catch and shoot. I think with the system that Tyloo has for the Clippers, him being put in similar situations with Reggie where he can be a spot-up shooter, but also attack, attack the rim, get to the rim, get to the free throw line and also you know kick out open shooters completely designed for guys to attack the basket and kick to open shooters so it's it's a system that John Wall has been has you know is comfortable with considering the players that he was with during his time at the Wizards creating a pace and space ball movie creating uh, mismatches to get to the rim and, you know, we're going to see how he can defend as well. Because, you know, when he was an all-star with the Wizards, he was a really, really good uh, defender. I think he was named to an all-defense team, I think, a handful of times. So I think he has the skills and the wherewithal to be a good defender. You know, I hope that he can buy into with the Clippers. And, you know, he doesn't need to be a 20-point scorer. For the Clippers, he can be a good, solid rotation player for them, and be a good and make good defense and make a good defensive impact for the Clippers as well. And something that recently happened is Ivica Zubac. He, the team, had a team option that they opted out of to give him a new contract, thirty-three million for three years which, you know, makes out to about $11 million a year 
for him and honestly that's probably the best contract that I think the team and Zoo could have given for him there was a chance that they would be paying a lot more for him I think the top was a four year 60 million dollars but to get him at 11 million dollars a year for a starting center who doesn't miss any time who's always available you really can't go wrong with that and I I know that certain Clipper fans do not you know have a ton of issues with uh, Ivica Zubak which there are some there are moments at times where he looks you know a little bit disengaged a little bit unable to use his strength the way that he needs to around the rim or uh, rebounding as well or containing uh, mismatches that he has but just looking at his stats throughout his career with the Clippers and every single year that's been that he's been on the team he's gotten better and better you know highest point total of his career uh, last year highest rebounding total of his career his best assist numbers, assist to turnover numbers uh, this year. Getting a lot better at reacting at the short roll. You know, getting the ball at the free throw line. Either passing to the cutters or going to the rim, finishing. Having back Kawhi and PG. And then you include John Wall into the mix to get him easier shots. Get him, get him in good position to score efficiently again I think that's going to help him a lot and being that defensive impact that he's been for the team for a while hopefully Ty trusts him more and more to give him even more minutes because we saw during a couple stretches that he can be very effective when given a ton of minutes and kind of felt like you know everyone was getting drained towards the end of the season a lot of minutes with a lot of guys trying to compete to get to a playing spot, you know, unable to do it. But I think Zoo is so valuable as a asset, but also a player for the Clippers on the team. They are building a team with a lot of good contracts that they could either keep or they could package together and consolidate their team. Personally, if they are considering about consolidating and making a trade, the only couple of players that you should do that is if you're looking to upgrade at the four spot. And, you know, it seems pretty likely that whatever trade that happens, it's going to be probably a combination of uh, Marcus Morris with maybe Luke Kennard or possibly Terrence Mann. You know, that seems like the most logical combination to get to get a big who can you know a more athletic big who can still stretch the floor but also provide a much better uh, defensive presence you know it's going to be an interesting free agency there are a couple of names that are going to be free agents uh, Gary Harris Zach Levine uh, Ricky Rubio, but he tore his ACL, so I'm really not sure what his availability is. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who's going to be in for probably a big contract. TJ Warren, again, really didn't play last season because of an injury, but you know he's 
a pretty solid player to have in your rotation. But yeah, one of the, the bigger ones is probably DeAndre Ayton, where he's going to be a free agent. And it really feels like the Phoenix Suns are not going to are not going to give him a supermax contract. And if if the Suns don't, some team will give him like a lot of money uh, to play for the team. I don't know who it is. I don't know who it could be, but you know, it could be the Suns. They could come to a deal, probably a sh- shorter deal, but more money. But yeah, it's it's once Thursday happens, you know, we're going to see I think we're going to see a ton of activity in the beginning because that's what that what usually happens once uh, Freddy starts. A ton of contracts are called and signed on the dotted line. So we'll probably the next episode get into that. Talk more about the free agents that have signed uh, previously. But yeah, coming back with the Clippers and their offseason... The, they do have a couple of free agents left. They did re-sign uh, Covington to a new contract as well. Uh, a couple of the players, uh, Amir Coffey, all three of those guys are in for a new contract. And for Jay Scrub, I think I heard that he wants to have a... He doesn't want a two-way contract. He wants a full guaranteed contract. And to be honest, I think... If he really does want it, I don't think the Clippers have enough to give him one, especially a fully guaranteed contract. So I I feel like that he might be gone, most likely. Uh, Batum, I think, clearly wants to come back with the Clippers. He's been very comfortable here. Fans have gravitated to him a lot, and I would not expect him... I would not expect him to go somewhere else from what everyone, from what the situation is and what he has said. The Amir Coffey situation is interesting because he, we, he probably wants a fully guaranteed contract. And unlike Scrub, Amir Coffey clearly showed his value uh, last season. You know, he was, had a really good stretch in January. Uh, continue to get better and better and be a very valuable role player for them throughout this uh, uh, prior season. And so, you know, clearly I don't think the Clippers can give him another uh, two-way deal. Played 69 games, averaged 22 minutes a game. He averaged nine points, about three rebounds, almost two assists a game. Shot 37% from three, taking three and a half a game. You know, he clearly developed, has developed in his first three years in the NBA. Coming uh, undrafted out of Minnesota, you know, we saw a little bit of what he could possibly bring. I know prior, uh, last summer league, he did not look great at all. And it kind of almost put them in a situation where they weren't going to use him or he was looking to probably be in the G League again. But he he clearly has developed into a very, very solid player that I think it would be very hard to keep him at this point because some team is going to give him more than a minimum contract. The, the Clippers can give him 
possibly give him a decent contract because they do have his bird rights. But with John Wall now coming to the Clippers with Batum probably re-signing, I wouldn't be surprised if some other team gave him a very very solid contract and I would not be mad if he took it because you know he's he's developed into a real nice player and it's just a short preview right now free agency starts on Thursday next week we'll probably get into a lot more of the free agents and their new destinations or possibly staying put and so now moving into the pro wrestling news the uh, AEW All Elite Wrestling had their joint uh, show with New Japan Pro Wrestling NJPW uh, Forbidden Door pay-per-view at the United Center in Chicago and you know to me like a very a very entertaining uh, show for them you know a really good showcase of both companies of both uh, wrestlers on both shows you know the pre-show was fine it was fun uh the match that stood out this were strickland and keith lee versus el desperado and yoshinobu katamaru uh tag team that was pretty fun fun match fun pre-show and just running down the card uh starting it off with uh chris jericho samuel guevara minoru suzuki versus eddie kingston wheeler yuda and shota umina and it was a really fun uh, opening match for the show. You know, the crowd was completely hot the entire show. You know, clearly they knew what they were doing. Clearly they knew how important, how special the show is. And I, I always enjoy how invested the crowd is. And it, it only elevates the show even more when the crowd is so vocal and so energized with every match and that's always fun to see that just makes it even more fun to watch and you know with the match it was to set up the man advantage for what's going to happen uh wednesday for AEW with their blood and guts special with the jericho appreciation society against the combination of the blackpool combat club with eddie kingston and Santana Ortiz and we will get to the newest member of the Blackpool Combat Club uh, soon because it's going to go through the card the rest of the card you know after that you know Chris Jericho was able to win against Shota Umina who you know really showed out in his first probably first experience on a show in the USA on a big pay-per-view show and he showed i was impressed by him he was very fun you know he's he has a great uh great look and you know still only 25 you know i would not be surprised if he was back doing a couple shows in all elite wrestling uh the next match was the winner take all match a tag team match with the rapungi vice united empire and ftr you know ftr six-star FTR, the one of the best tag teams in the world today carrying multiple tag team championships for multiple promotions you know looking to add the iwpg 
tag team championships to their resume to carry all the belts in the world and it was a real exciting match it was very interesting towards the beginning where it looked like uh dax howard possibly injured his shoulder you know i don't know if that is a work or he legit hurt his shoulder but you know dax howard is one of the best wrestlers has been one of the best wrestlers of, the, of this year with his tag team matches and especially with his singles matches and like him leaving you know leaving his tag team partner to get treated back uh backstage it it, it really set up for a massive uh crowd reaction when he did return with his shoulder all taped up and all put together with tape and athletic tape but they were able to pull it out and win and become the new IWGB tag team champions continuing their probably one of the best tag team runs in professional wrestling right now so very another very exciting match the crowd was all in on FTR winning and they were very excited to win this for them to win uh, next is the fatal the four-way match for the new aw all atlantic championship you know malachi black from the house of black uh, miro who is returned from action from a long time of being out Pac, who is part of death triangle and you know one of the late substitutions because of ishii tomohiro ishii coming with an uh getting an injury right before the pay-per-view uh, they had Clark Clark Connors be his replacement, and there was a lot of mystery behind Clark Connors. You know, I think a lot of people don't really know who he is. I was familiar with him because I did see him. I think I first started seeing him when he was in WCPW, uh, What Culture Pro Wrestling. So I had some sort of uh, knowledge of him. You know, not a lot of his wrestling, his most uh, recent wrestling in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but it was a fun, really fun four-way match. Like I, I was predicting, a lot of people were predicting uh, Miro to win because he's back, he's ready, he's healthy, ready to be a big part of AEW. I think some people were suggesting. Uh, Malachi Black to win it, to be to have that title with his faction. I was leaning towards if it's not going to be Muro, it probably has to be Pac. You know, he's been with AEW since the very beginning in 2019, and he said he wants to be a world champion uh, from the start. And you know, I think COVID and just the travel restrictions from him uh, being overseas at that time it really hurt his momentum a lot these past couple years but with everything being better and clearer and with this title which they haven't said specifically but what they have alluded to is that this championship will be not just defended in AEW but in other promotions as well and I think that the ending of the match was a very solid finish you know, Miro had his submission on Pac. Malachi Black comes in, 
hits him with a black mist, and then hits him with a black mask. Clark Connors starts to get involved, and Malachi gets him into an Arbor submission, and they're kind of tussling over around the ring, and they're getting closer to the corner, and that's when Pack hits the 450 splash on Malachi Black, puts Clark Connors in his submission, and taps out. Pack becomes the first ever All-Atlantic AEW Championship. And I have a feeling that there are going to be a couple mess-ups when they're announcing the All-Atlantic Championship. Because I think it's just, it's it can be a difficult, probably a difficult phrase. You know, could get tongue-tied, but all in all, if you do, if you do create a championship, you know, putting on it, putting on it on a guy who is exceptional in the ring and has a good and is going to be built as a big star you know Pac clearly deserves it from being with the company for so long and it was a really good really great way for him to get his first uh, championship in AEW next is the Young Bucks El Fantasmo and Hikaleo the formation reformation of the bullet club against sting darby allen shingo takaji and unfortunately you know on there have there has been a bunch of injuries uh with aw and new japan pro wrestling and a lot of guys were taken off the car that are already on it but even though there are a lot of injuries there are a lot of uh, changes to the card i still think that the show really, really excelled, and the wrestlers really put on great performances uh, throughout. So clearly, the depth of the roster has was beneficial to them, and probably will be to them for the foreseeable future. And with this uh, match, even before the beginning of the match, uh, they were looking for Sting, and again, just the classic icon that sting is you know showing him being in the rafters of the arena and then showing him on top of the entrance ramps and jumping off the st- <laughs> the stanchion at 63 years old is completely insane for him to be able to do that and it's been so crazy and probably rewarding that you know his last run as a wrestler has been very fun in AEW. He's been able to do a lot of good things, a lot of things that I don't think people thought was possible for him, you know, once he left the WWE because a lot of people felt like the injury that he sustained was going to be not something that that was going to hamper him from ever performing at the level that he is now, but it's been extremely fun to see it um, him no selling the super kick was completely lit the crowd up, had the fans on their feet. It was a very fun match, you know, not too serious, but still a very good match. Uh, the next, the only women's uh, match, Thunder Rosa against Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. It was a good match. You know, it wasn't the only one on the card. I know they did talk about uh, having more. Japanese women 
possibly on the card, but you know, as some things don't pan out, you know, unfortunately, but I'm glad that they were able to get at least one women's match on the card, and it was a great, uh, solid match for them. You know, two really good wrestlers, two really good uh, wrestlers for AEW that can put on a really good match, and it kind of showed a little bit of Rosa and her desperation to be continue to be the champion. I don't know if that's a a hint at a uh, heel turn at some point, but you know they are laying the groundwork for the possibility of it. Next is Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy, and let me tell you, let me tell you what. For the people that don't know about Orange Cassidy, you know from his beginning in all, all elite wrestling, I think the perception of him is still you know a comedy style wrestler who can't wrestle which is clearly not the case and i don't know why people keep sleeping on him and keep writing him off because whenever he does wrestle he is a fantastic wrestler and i know how people feel how some people feel about will osprey you know the all the flippy stuff all the gymnastic style wrestling something that he's that's probably been put on him since probably 2017 when they had that match with ricochet where there were just so many athletic flips and stuff which whatever people's taste is you know a lot of people didn't like it i personally really enjoy that type of style you know exciting athleticism really unique uh, transitions even back then it seemed like Will Ospreay was going to be he has clearly became a massive star in New Japan Pro Wrestling some guy who has who probably could have gone to the WWE I know there was an interview saying that he will probably he possibly was going to be in the Cruiserweight Classic but he decided to go to New Japan but it was a great great match with Osprey and Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy still bringing the comedic elements to his wrestling style and his character, but not to the point where it's devaluing the the match itself. He's able to do it in a way that helps with the match uh, throughout the story of the match, and excellent transitions, crazy counters, and ultimately making making Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy look like incredible performers and they put on probably one of the best matches of the night with uh, Will Ospreay getting the win you know his buddies in United Empire trying to inflict more punishment on him and then Rapungi Vice getting in trying to get involved and they get thrown out to the arena or out of the ring and it looks like they're going to continuous continue the beatdown of Orange Cassidy and then all of a sudden the music hits which I was not familiar with but the crowd went completely insane for for Natsuma Shibata who is a New Japan Pro Wrestling legend who made the surprise appearance to help out Orange Cassidy the only, the stuff that I know from him is he has been one of the he's been one of the main guys to bring uh, New Japan to America for the New Japan 
strong shows in the U.S. Bringing that type of Japanese style uh, wrestling to America. And it was fun seeing him, you know, slaying in stiff shots, being being able to form was something that was unheard of because he has not performed in a ring uh, since coming back five years ago and coming back uh, earlier this year. And, you know, seeing him was a really great surprise. The crowd loved it. And it was a really cool way to have some surprises uh, for the show. And with talking about surprises... We got the surprise for Zack Sabre Jr., who was supposed to face uh, Brian Danielson, who was not able to, who is not able to compete at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view or in the Blood and Guts match. But he came out last week saying he has a replacement that everyone's gonna love. A ton of speculation about who it was. A lot of it was pointing to the former WWE superstar Cesaro, who now. Claudio Castagnoli making his time to debut in All Elite Wrestling. And, you know, they did not wait or hesitate to bring him out. You know, he came out firing on all cylinders. The crowd completely blew the roof off for him once they figured out it was him. And even though, you know, the people who are connected to the wrestling industry, they... There was a sense that it would be Claudio, but still, uh, the audience was still would still give him the reception that a guy who's been wrestling for the past 20 years, I think, deserves. And with him always being a fan favorite at WWE and him not really getting any type of push or momentum, and clearly, regardless if the fans liked him, you know, if the front office does not see it it does not matter how much the crowd cheers for him or for anyone if they're if they're not in the picture and if they're not going to make the effort in pushing them then it's just not going to happen so we're going to see how it works out in AEW you know had a great reception had a great match with Zack Sabre Jr and you know there's a couple stories already in line for him to be a part of and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next with Claudio Casagnoli. The last two matches uh the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship four-way Jay White the champion Hangman Adam Page Hangman Adam Page Adam Cole and Kazuchiki Okada. And I think this match was still a really good match. It was a fun match. Uh I think the only thing about it was the ending of it. Where, you know, it kind of looked like Adam Cole sustained some type of injury. I know he's been dealing with a couple injuries even before this. But from what they from what they said, he was able to walk out on his own, which is nice, which is good to hear. Uh, I think it's probably time for him to take a break, an extended break, to heal up his the injuries that he might have. But I think it was still a good match. Probably not one of the probably not one of the better matches on the card, but overall a really good showcase for the guys, the top stars in AEW and also the top stars in New Japan. And uh, Jay White uh, getting the win, you know, retaining his title. The last match on the card 
for the AEW Interim World Championship with CM Punk out after winning the championship. You know, they needed to crown a new world championship. They had a tournament, a small tournament to decide who would be going, who would be competing at Forbidden Door. It was John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Championship. Again, solid match. Not probably not one of the better matches on the card, but still a very good match between the top stars for AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think a lot of people predicted that John Moxley was going to win because I don't know how I don't know how the situation would be if someone from New Japan had the AEW World Championship but wouldn't be able to make, you know, constant appearances on AEW television. That's what it felt to me where, you know, I think the the two last matches were predictable, but I think still performed really well. It provided a good show. You know, I think a lot of people were mixed at the ends where Chris Jericho came out after Moxley was able to beat Tanahashi and kind of set up set up uh the show for Wednesday. You know, everyone coming out and like which people call in professional wrestling gang wars. But, you know, I think it's just the the mistake of booking two big shows back to back and you're kind of building, you're kind of building both at the same time and they kind of leak into other stories that, that really don't need it. But otherwise, a very fun show. You know, it looks possibly like this could be a a a biannually thing with one show being in Japan and one show being in the USA and I think that would be pretty fun to watch having that partnership with New Japan one of the top wrestling promotions in the world but that's not in the USA I think is important for them to continue to branch out and continue to build build a a global uh, brand with all elite wrestling and that is going to do it for this episode of the rob say swords podcast you know we've been gone for a little bit but i think we're back now you know we are going to look at some possibly doing more interviews throughout the summer before the season the nba season starts uh gonna talk continue to talk more about uh pro wrestling you know we haven't gone through all of it but we wanted to get through the main forbidden door pay-per-view and my thoughts on it but we are going to be up and running for the podcast and i appreciate everyone for listening thank you for subscribing if you see this on apple podcasts and spotify podcasts please rate five stars And we will see you next time on the Rob Say Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to Rob Save Sports. Saving sports one podcast at a time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. To connect with Rob, visit us on social media at Rob Save Sports. We'll see you next time.